Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Empire. Triple Play Fantasy's basketball show with Doc, Coach, and Brass Dadamas starts now. We are back. This is the Triple Play Fantasy Basketball Show, proud member of Empire Media. I'm your host, a slightly upset Coach Lewis. We made it to the second round of the playoffs, and I now have no rooting interest. As my guy, LeBron was ousted in the first round for the first time in his illustrious 18-year career with a smile from Doc. Going to continue to carry the torch. It's now up for grabs as we saw the defending champion LA Lakers go down. We are again joined by some OG cast and crew, including the super fantasy brother, Kevin Coleman. You can find him at the boys underscore 22. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing good. I uh, just survived a nasty flu this week. I lost like seven pounds, the best diet I've been on in a while. Uh, but I'm here to talk, talk about basketball and go from there. It's beautiful in California right now. So I'm just enjoying the sunshine. You're a warrior. Uh, and and what kind of what Mario character do you uh, take a, the most liking to? He's know- Waluigi. We've already say- established that. <laughs> Again, an unnecessary shot from Eric. But I have a feeling um, shots will be fired back from Coach Kev at some point in this pod. And you heard him. E. Mindy, the man who calls the couch bed and doesn't sleep because he's grinding doing all things sports. What's up, Doc? Not much, man. You know, it's a great day when LeBron's out of the playoffs, and uh, you can talk about it for an hour on this show. (sighs) For the first time um, on Triple Fantasy Basketball, um, let's maybe stay away from LeBron today. Um, Okay. (laughs) Round two, begin, insert Immortal Combat sound. Today's Triple Play Fantasy Basketball Pod, we discuss the tragic passing of Mark Eaton, coaches changing places, swapping out hats, and future implications. Dame is the best teammate. Drew Holiday showcases the best sportsmanship. We recap whatever sportsmanship is. We recap and give opinions all things playoff matchups in our Who You Got section. We also look at the teams that fell short and what it means to their franchise. But first, a little news and notes. We are now in... Week number three of the playoffs, the first round is done, and we got new matchups, but uh, we, we have a sort of a tragic story to touch on first, and that is Mark Eaton passed away in a tragic bicycle accident in his neighborhood, um, dying a block away from his house. Doc, we're going to start with you, your opinions on Mr. Mark Eaton. It's just really tragic, and you think about this, it's like the second time in the past couple months that we've had a, a- motor vehicle incident you know the first sean bradley being paralyzed um, he had two giants on and off the court it's just it's very sad you know obviously the fact that mark eaton passed from this is 
it's the worst possible outcome. Um, you just really hope that, you know, players take this to heart, former players as well, and anyone that's listening, and hopefully they're just a little bit safe, but prayers out to him and his, you know, and his family that are going through this and any loved ones he has. Kev? Yeah, kind of, you know, same kind of feeling. Um, it, whenever this stuff comes, you just kind of like, I was watching uh, the TNT guys and they were talking about it. It just seems like he's a really good guy and that it's just a really big tragic accident. And every once in a while this happens to the basketball families and the basketball kind of brotherhood and you hate to see it, but it looks like he impacted lives. And that's what we want to take away from our lives, right? It's impact something as we go. So um, I'm glad he had a positive impact. He was a great, great guy, and uh, that just showed the book, The Four Commitments of a Winning Team, and I actually read this book. Uh, one of my former players gave me a copy with an autograph uh, version from Marky, and he was had the pleasure to go to one of his book signings and, um, and get that and, and told me just basically how, how great of a, a guy he was. I mean, he was an NBA All-Star. He's two-time Defensive Player of the Year, three-time uh all defense first team, two time all defense second team. He led the league in blocks four times, and he's the all time leader in blocks per game at three point five. Number fifty three is retired by Utah, um, but he he served as a mentor to Rudy Gobert and um, helped shape the player man who he is today. And he also he helped uh, Jeremy Evans win the dunk contest by letting him dunk on him sitting down. Um, <laughs> just a great guy. Just super weird, unfortunate accident um, being on your bike. He has his bike special made since he's seven four and larger than life. And he was a super big advocate of bicycling. And it's just a shame that that that's ultimately what took his life because he's doing it for a great cause. And uh, so, yeah, to carry on what you guys said, you know, we, we our prayers uh, go out to Mark Eden and his family as he was taken from us way too early. He was in great health and he was going to live a long time. So we move on and we're going to do our awards recap this week. Our, our awards were a little different as they weren't like based on what you do on the court, but basically what you do off the court and in between um, the lines. And that is uh, Damian Lillard wins teammate of the year, Kev. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's great. I like Dame. Uh, I think that he, I think he is a consummate professional, and I think that he does. You know, if I wanted to play with somebody, Dame would be the type of kid I would play with. Uh, I wish it might be time to move on. I don't know what's going on there in Portland, and with, with the coaching change, we're going to talk about that. But it seems like the teammates respect him. This dude just balls, right? Like, and you know, he doesn't complain. He works his ass off. Like, that's the type of teammate that you want. So I can see why he wins it. Absolutely. And, and Doc, Drew Holiday wins NBA Sportsmanship Award. Yeah, I mean, I think we all had a much deeper appreciation for Drew Holiday when we figured out, you know, what his wife was going through last year and that he or two years ago and he took some time away from basketball. You know, I think a lot of times we judge these people based on what we see on the court and their performance. But you realize they're humans. And, you know, when you hear about the great things they've done, just makes you appreciate them even more. So sounds like he's very deserving of it. Yeah, and I've always been impressed with uh, Drew Holiday, his character, what he stands for, what he says. And there's, you know, there's three of those Holiday brothers in the NBA right now. And who knows what uh, Lauren and Drew produce in the future since she's a, a USA women's soccer player. We'll look forward in 15, 20 years seeing 
whatever that kid does in the future. But yeah, shout out uh, Drew Holiday's clearly shown a, a, a culture change in, in the Bucks and somebody that they can give the ball to down the stretch. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about more about the Bucks as they're in probably the most intriguing matchup in the second round against the Nets. We'll move on to something that uh, Coach Kev Quasi called, and that is uh, Danny Ainge steps down, Brad Stevens steps up, steps up as new general manager. You know, what does this mean to the Celtics? Their, their coaching search begins, and um, it's got a little bit of a shock uh, this week as it was just announced after their season ended last week. Kev, let's start with you. Yeah, you know, I kind of talked about this earlier, and I said, hey, it looks like Danny Ainge is time to go. I think on the left pod, I said, it just doesn't seem like um, that he's really in it anymore. And you could kind of tell, I think his rebuild didn't work uh, to what he wanted, and then he left. It was kind of, I would, I'd be interested to see what Eric thinks, but it was kind of weird Brad Stevens moved up, especially with no one really experienced. I think we've seen this before, kind of with Kerr and those type of guys. Um, and I understand he has a really good mind, um, but I don't know necessarily if that's going to work either, uh, especially because these guys, I guess if he separates himself from the front o- or the players and he's more of a front office role, I guess it could work there. Uh, but it will be interesting to see who they bring in and who their next uh, next coach is going to be. Uh, I, I heard some things like, you know, maybe Sam Cassell, maybe some other guys out there. I think that would be interesting. Um, or, you know. We're talking about Becky Hammond from the Spurs. Uh, could they maybe go that route? So I would I love to see where they go with this. This would be an interesting. I think Becky would be fun just to piss people off. <laughs> and that's funny. You mentioned Sam Cassell because my my brother and I were texting this week and we said the same thing at the same time. He asked me, I said Sam Cassell. Um yeah. he's got he's got ties with that organization. And I think that he's chomping at the bit. He just seems like he has the poise and the fight and the grit that that Celtics team needs uh, going forward. And of course he has experience with the wizards and the, and the Clippers and he's been kind of all around since he's ended his playing career doc. So I think that the peak of Danny Ainge's uh, GM tenure came with the whole Isaiah Thomas situation. I think a lot of people lost respect for him because basically Isaiah Thomas played through his sister's death, um, played through a bunch of injuries and Danny Ainge basically traded him. And I I know that was the correct move as a GM, but we've alluded to on here. It's like he had the reputation around the league as a snake. Don't pick up when Danny calls. And it's interesting because he had so many assets, draft picks, cap space, and he didn't really make the most of it. A lot of his picks didn't pan out. I think the Kemba Walker contract looking now is is really bad. Um, You know, he's kind of hamstrung between paying him, Tatum, and uh, Jalen Brown, they might not be able to afford Marcus Smart, or they'll probably lose Evan Fournier in free agency. I think Brad Stevens replacing him is the logical move because from what I read, he was burned out coaching. And I think the players didn't necessarily respect him as much after that whole Gordon Hayward thing where they felt like he was giving him more minutes because of their relationship at Butler. So Brad Stevens is a bright basketball mind. Maybe he's one of those guys that's just better served in the front office role or just not a great NBA coach. And I think he had some uh, knock knock the ball out the park moves when the KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen thing happened. But that's so many years away. And then uh, eventually trading them away to get all those assets from the Brooklyn Nets. But, again, he, he didn't do enough with it. And uh, he didn't pull the trigger on all of the – like last year they just had three first-round picks and they didn't move up to get a big. They let – Gordon Hayward walk for nothing. He could have been in a sign and trade for Miles Turner. They let Al Harrington out. Um, help me out, guys. <laughs> the guy for OKC that they put down. Al Horford. For Al Horford. Al, Al Horford. Um, it's just 
and, time and, and time again that we and, needed to change. Don't don't get me wrong. I think Danny Ainge was better than half of the GMs in the league, even at this point in his career. Yeah. But I think when I think when you're the GM for the Celtics, your expectations are higher than if you were to be a Portland Trailblazers or you know a Memphis Grizzlies. And I kind of see them in like a like a sort of a father son role. And I think that Danny Ainge will still be in Brad Stevens' ear this entire process, uh, just for kind of guidance and help and mentorship. And I mean, he hired him knowing that this is one of the greatest basketball minds that we have going in Brad Stevens. And so maybe this role, I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes from maybe this role is what he's made for. We saw, uh, he, he X's and O's wise, he had to figure it out, but it seemed like he lost the locker room a couple times during that season and the, the respect of the players, um, and maybe you need somebody with a little bit more basketball with grown men experience. And maybe that's where, you know, Sam Cassell steps in. Um, speaking of uh, coaches, similar faces in new places, we're going to talk a little Terry Stotts. Uh, he's gone after nine seasons in Portland. Uh, we have Doc lead on this one. Was the change so- necessary? And how do you feel about Portland kind of going forward? So I think the change was necessary because they've lost in the first round four out of the last five seasons. It's interesting. Portland actually had the longest active streak of making the playoffs eight consecutive postseasons. But I think Damian Lillard, once again, is one of the most underappreciated players in the NBA. And he's the franchise. You want to make him happy. And I think that there's going to be more moves to be followed if, if they want to try to keep him in Portland. And I think the coach is always the first one to go. And then you, you might start seeing changes, you know, with the roster construction, maybe um, GM and other personnel. He's a great coach, but I think once again, besides that Western Conference Finals appearance, they've underperformed in the playoffs most seasons. Yeah, and they, they've been so close in all these series, six, seven games, a lot of these times, and they just haven't been able to kind of get over the hump and um, I think it's also has to do with their roster construction. They're good, but they're just not good enough to win and get by. And sometimes you just, you just got to make a change. Uh, if you have the same basic core and you're not, and you're not winning those series. Uh, so I think they, that it, it took its, uh, the course took its run. Um, we're going to move on talk a little college basketball here, but it is coach K is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And again, something Kevin touched on and, pretty much called and that was coach K's done and he, and he wants to walk away. And so Kevin, I don't, rem- say, I don't remember that. I, I remember Steve Kerr. No, no, he, no, he, no he, too. yeah, he took, and then I said, it, John Shire, it, he lo- looks like he might be the successor and how he felt about that. And he was not penciling <laughs> him in as a great option. So Kev, what's your feelings on this coach K? No, I mean, first of all, shout out to coach K. He's a Duke uh, fan, by the way. Yeah, I'm a Duke fan, but I've also been a a Coach K hater the last few years because I felt like the game passed him by a little bit. He wasn't really coaching. He bottled his best players in. I mean, come on. We didn't win a freaking championship with Zion Williams. I mean, that is what he did that year was so frustrating. Uh, But, I mean, he is who he is. You know, I I love him to death. I will always love the the guy. Uh, But – I, I was really confused about the John Shire thing. I like Shire. I mean, he probably played on the worst championship team in college basketball history. Uh, Nolan Smith. Yeah. Uh, Kyle that, Singler. That team was terrible. Um, Bros. 
Yeah, those dudes just walked out of the park and got lucky seven straight games. But I would say that, you know, when you're looking at that, when you're looking at Shire, I think it's okay. I, I The thing is about Duke is you have the uh, one of the top three programs in the country. You could go get anybody you want. And I really wanted Brad Stevens. Uh, but, you know, obviously that didn't happen. But maybe it will still next year. We'll see. Maybe Brad Stevens doesn't like to do the Celtics thing. Uh, but, you know, Shire is kind of underwhelming to me. You have the best one of the best programs in the country. Go get a dude. Instead, you get John Shire, who might be a great coach, and maybe, but they, they talked about how Shire got all these recruits. Let's be real. Coach K got the recruit. Shire talked to these guys, but the guy that signed the deal and, and delivered these guys was Coach K. So, like, stop using that as an example. I, I'm in a wait-and-see mode, but I'm a little nervous now. Luckily, North Carolina hired a worse coach, so I know they're going to be worse than us, but that's fine. What Gosh, do you got you, against you Stuart Davis? Su- you are such a get-off-my-lawn type of guy, Kevin. I am. I'm old, man. I don't like people driving fast in my neighborhood. I yell at them now. I'm getting to that to that stage in my life, but I'm fine. Hubert Davis is trash, coach. I don't know. Is that just about. a Tar Heel hater hater talk, or you just don't like him from like? Because I remember he was a college analyst before he he got back into coaching. He's just not good at anything. He wasn't good as an analyst. He's not going to be good as a coach. Uh, and that blue is ugly as shit. Who wants to wear that color blue? Like I don't understand why you wear that blue. <laughs> He's not bad at everything. He used to shoot the three ball with the best of them. I remember playing was that before it. a three-point line or after? Yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago, Coach. After. I used to play with him on uh, NBA Live 98 for a three-point conversation. 98. He, was, he had exactly. a wetter, man. Yeah. Well, was- great. So, okay, he was very good in the video game. There you go. There, There is Hubert Davis love. Thank you. <laughs> but I am curious to see kind of what uh, the player turned into coach, been on, sitting on the bench this, this long time, what he does with that. Uh, franchise. Also, I was kind of talking about the empowerment of these two great Hall of Fame coaches, the fact that they can name their successors um, without like a hiring process. Um, we'll see what the what next year uh, leads to, because Duke still does have a very strong recruiting class and maybe they can win one for the Gipper. Uh, but we'll move on. Uh, last uh, little news and notes is uh, Gary Payton is hired by Lincoln University in Oakland, California, his hometown uh, to be the head coach. And, and that'll be fun. Uh, we we kind of saw him in the big three yelling at a bunch of people as he was on the sideline. But uh, he is a great basketball mind. I don't know how great it'll be. It'll turn out. But representing your hometown, that's a great opportunity. And um, good for uh, Hall of Famer Gary Payton. He might kill a ref. I, if, if anybody kills a ref, it's going to be Gary Payton. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> uh, big facts. Um Low plug top. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Wherever you find your podcast, go follow the Triple Play Fantasy franchise. We got all things hardwood, diamond, and gridiron covered. Our Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel also taps into Movie Minute reviews, Super Fantasy Bros with Kevin and Jacob. Fantasy 15, I argues, one versus one, including most recently Terry McLaurin versus DJ Moore. Between the Seams, Fantasy Baseball Talk with Marty and Mac. Monkey Knife Fight picks with doc and brad fantasy foodies who just featured field yates talking ipa seltzers and much more we got everything you need 
Honestly, thanks for your support and listens every download, share, five star rating and comment helps us. And we're going to continue to grind and make this podcast the number one pick like Cade Cunningham. Check us out on Twitter and IG at Trip Play Fantasy. Our most recent interview, I sat down with Washington Redskins icon Doc Walker on the Triple Play Fantasy football pod. Thanks again from the entire Triple Play Fantasy family for your listens each and every week. And now it's time for a little NBA catch-up for our final week of the first round, starting with our impressive performance of the week. Who went bananas this last week, Doc? Who caught I mean, your I feel, eye? I mean, there's not many matchups going on, and it's not LeBron. Uh, for me, I got to go Devin Booker. I mean, that elimination game, seven threes in the first quarter, 22 points. I mean, he, he killed it right away. And uh, I think we're really seeing the ascension of him taking it to the next level. Uh, I think he's one of the pe- the best pure scorers in the game. And I'm really happy for Suns fans. I feel like they've been one of the teams that's really been gypped in the past you know, couple decades of really not getting to the finals. And they're the number two seed in the West. They have home court for the next series against the Nuggets. So props to Evan Booker. Are those Valley jerseys the coolest jerseys in the league? They are pretty cool. Oh, my yeah. goodness. What? And, and, and you know what? I feel like I have to apologize because I haven't been saying Jay Crowder is a good basketball player. I've been saying he's a good athlete that plays basketball, but he hit his first three threes in game six and he, he looks pretty good. So I, I got to apologize a little bit about that. He was a huge dif- difference maker for Miami last year and they solely missed three point shooting in their series as they got blown out the out the water. Um, Kev, who you got for best jerseys? before your impressive performance of the week since you, it seems like you're not a fan of the Valley jerseys. I like, hey, I'm old school, as Eric likes to point out. I like the crisp, clean, older jerseys. Like, not a lot of, like, what the Suns got going on there. I just don't like it. I do like the Miami Vice jerseys, though. I, I, those are my probably my favorite. Yeah. I uh, love those Miami Vice jerseys. I, I really like uh, Utah's jersey, too. Yeah, they're clean though. There's no, you know, there's come on. Let's just There's no ad, there's no advertising. It's <laughs> it's no it's no crazy colors or designs. It's yeah. just right there. It's just like right there. Like and and a side note, would you guys I hate I hate people that buy shoes with all that shit too. Like just keep it simple. Like basketball shoes do not no, need no, no, to no, look no. like fruity pebbles, coach. Okay, like yes, they, they need, do. No, they don't. Keep it clean. Do you know there's actually a pair of Kyrie's called the Fruity Pebbles? Yes, that's where I know because I like the okay. Kyrie's. Like I love the Kyrie's. LeBron but I got some Fruity clean. Pebbles too. Yeah, LeBron. Um, yeah, but like, you can't ball LeBron's shoes. They weigh like 29 pounds. Like I don't. That understand. is true. Like, that is true. I don't know how true. people ball in those shoes. Uh, the LeBron tens are great hooping shoes, uh, and I'm a guy that always matches the the shoe with the jersey from uh, when I was 12, 13 years old, and now, now that grown man that. People say, you know, after 30, you're not supposed to be jer- wear jerseys. But uh, I'm changing it. I'm changing the culture. Uh, you're allowed to all 30-plus-year-olds that are still wearing jerseys. Uh, you got your support from uh, from Coach Lewis. All five of you. <laughs> I also like the uh, Brooklyn Nets uh, jerseys with their, like, multiple colors, too. So there's some cool jerseys going around. Um, impressive performance of the week for me, uh, twofold. Kawhi Leonard took over game six. He shot 18 of 25. He had two clutch three-pointers on 45 points after uh, blowing uh, game five, shooting that air ball at the buzzer. Uh, Luka, in that game five, gave us 42, 14 assists and eight rebounds. 
He scored or assisted on 31 of 36 shots. That's 83%, the highest percentage all time for any playoff game. LeBron second with a game of 81% for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, this kid is amazing, and um, we're recording this pod before Game 7, so uh, it's it's still a coin flip for our last first-round matchup, but this is what we all wanted to see. No team has won um, on their home court. It's been the away team that's won every single game in this series, and let's see if that serves course. I would be happy with uh, a, a Luka uh, de- defeats uh, the Clippers in the first round. Kev, did you give your uh, impressive performance of the week, or did I just gloss over it because we we're talking about jerseys? No, I didn't. I just, I, I did. I'm gonna give a shout out to Trey. I know his game is a little while ago, but Trey Young. I mean, what he did in that in that last game against the Knicks, he had you know 36 points, uh, and he just closed them out. And when he took the bow at the Garden, and he did oh. that, like I loved it. I, I thought it was great. I've actually become a Trey Young stand now. I'm I'm gonna be going on that just because of what he, just because what he did, and he showed up, and he was plus. Hey, he was plus in every game except for game one, which he was actually a, he had plus or minus of a zero. So he didn't and have he a hit neg- the game winner in game one. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't have a negative game. Uh, he looked great. He kept his percentage up. He did. He had a pretty poor shooting in the last couple of games, but he still was pretty. He still had a plus minus. Of, he had plus seventeen, plus sixteen, and he looked good. And then when he took that bow, give me that showmanship all day. I love it. So I'm, I'm gonna go with him. He's pure entertainment and the, the spice. He's like, ah, oh, this is a city of, of shows. And I heard this is what they do at the end. And I mean, what's not to love with him? And he was taking what the defense gave him. Sometimes they were double, triple teaming. And he was making the right pass and play. And he clearly was the alpha. He stepped up to the stage. He's getting spit on. He's getting trolled, talking about his hairline. And man, or he's balding. Mm. Trey's balding, which was that, that part for the fans. That was a funny one. Um, yeah, someone on our social media team was making fun of him there, too. I don't know who it was. I'm not sure. Yeah, who was, was that guy? Doc? Do you I know who that guy was? I don't know. All I remember is seeing a pic of a lollipop that has some hair on it in comparison. <laughs> yeah. Also, it, it, Dane was pretty chill with his 55 points, but um, yeah. 12, 12 three-pointers, uh, NBA record, tied it. Um, but let's move on to our playoff matchups. In our Who You Got, this is the main event, and we got a little sprinkle of what's to come. The Nets take game one over the Bucks, but James Harden in 13 seconds re-aggravated that hamstring injury and looks like he's he's about to be out for the playoffs. Uh, Blake Griffin was amazing. Doc, who you, who you got in this matchup? Uh, I feel like this is cheating because the Nets already won game one, but I'm going to say the Nets in six. They still have two of the best players in the world in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I think Milwaukee's just not as built for the postseason. But I do think whoever wins this probably has the best chance to win the championship. I And I don't think that that's a, a crazy thing to say um, at this point. Kev, who you got in this uh, Nets v. Bucks? We know how much you love the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, but I hate the Nets more. But <laughs> I, hate I, I will say, like, I, I'm going to say this. Yesterday I saw somebody on Twitter say, oh, that's not fair. Harden went down for my Nets. I'm like, bro, you have Durant, Kyrie, Blake Griffin, even Joe Harris is legit. I mean, you it's, shut the hell up, okay? You, like, you guys have a all-star squad. You lose one guy, you're going to be fine. I think that I think that what you saw yesterday is kind of what the series is going to be. Um, Middleton was bad yesterday, six for yeah, twenty-three. Bad shooting. 
over five. I've been telling you guys, Middleton cannot be your second best player. And Drew Holiday didn't have a great game either. I mean, when you looked at their script, what happened to him in that game, you know, PJ Tucker was not very good either. Like they just don't have guys. They just don't have enough enough firepower in this series. We said that their defense had to be good, but defense hinge are going down doing those things. Like it just doesn't look good for them. Um, I, again, but the Nets, the Nets, you know, they have two of the top five, ten players in the in the game. So I mean, that's where it's going to be. And even if if it hardens out. I have a hard time seeing the Nets lose. I really do. If it's a Nets Clippers finals, I might not ever watch basketball again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what new, the new drink, new drinking game on this podcast. Take a shot every time Kevin says, you know what I hate? <laughs> we're, we're at like seven or eight right now. I'm trying to minutes. just, I'm trying to get you guys to understand that, you know, I, I'm old school. Okay. I'm just old school when I see this stuff. <laughs> and for me, <clears throat> I'm going to take the Bucks in six. I don't see Middleton Ooh. shooting bad in this series. I got to take him in six uh, because if it goes to game seven, there's no way I, I'm betting against uh, Kyrie and KD in game seven. But I do think that depth in these injuries are, are going to catch up with the Nets. Uh, it looks like, again, James Harden is out for the playoffs. Uh, Jeff Green is still MIA. Uh, it took Kyrie Irving to play 45 minutes out of the 48 yesterday. Uh, Blake Griffin played 35. KD played 40. I don't know if all of that wear and tear bodes well for people that have injury history um, because it, it's looking like this is a, a eight-man rotation that includes Bruce Brown, Claxton, and Mike James, who played 30 minutes yesterday. I mean, yeah, he's a gamer, but – it's a lot to to depend on. I think the Bucks finally figure it out. Also, this isn't a rooting interest pick by me because I do not want KD to to win another championship being a LeBron guy. So uh, I'm yeah. I, I felt like I had no rooting interest left, but I I do have one. I want the Nets to lose, and uh, yeah, I'm on two sides of the fence once again. But uh, let's go, let's go, Bucks. They were my preseason Eastern Conference pick. All right, we'll move on. Uh, the Denver Nuggets versus the Phoenix Suns, the three and the two seed, prevailed after a lot of people picked uh, Portland and the Lakers. Doc, we're going to start with you. Who you got with Nuggets and Suns, which is an intriguing matchup. I have Nuggets and seven. I think this is going to be a really, really good series. I think Aiton is going to be a good matchup for Jokic, and it's going to slow it down. I think, I mean, Devin Booker and CP3 shoulder are going to be the X factor. If CP3 is limited, I think the Nuggets are going to have a much easier time just shutting down Booker because you don't really run the offense through Aiton. But I think, you know, these are going to be two high-scoring offenses. I think both of them are kind of playing with house money because they were the underdogs in their series, even though that they were the higher seed or the lower seed. I just I just want a good series and ultimately the Nuggets to win because I do have betting uh, interest in them. Nuggets and seven on Phoenix home court, which looks like the most electric right now in the playoffs. Kev, who you got? Yeah, so I'm going with my guy, Chris Paul. Uh, I, I want him to make a finals one time in his career. He deserves it. I mean, he's he's point God, right? We talked about that. Yeah. Remember, when, remember it was, used to be Chris Paul versus Darren Williams? Darren Williams yeah. is dead. Like, Darren Williams is gone. I don't even know if Darren yeah. Williams is where he's at. But, you know, I, I like Booker. I like those other areas. I think the matchup's great. I think these two guys are going to go at it. I love the fact that they're going to be playing against each other. I think it does go seven, but I, I'm going with the Suns. 
And I, I'm going with Suns in the seven for the pure reason that uh, I think that the home court advantage will play its course. I think that the home team, unlike what's happening in the Clippers and Mavs series, is the home team will win every single game here. Uh, Joker's a mastermind. He changes up mid-game, every game, figures out exactly what the defense is given. But there is a mastermind on the other end in CP3, and we would love to see him in the finals. That's kind of his only thing is that he hasn't won in the playoffs. This would be a, the greatest feather on the cap. Uh, but Michael Michael Porter Jr. is here in the six games versus the Blazers. He averaged 19-7 and seven on 54% shooting, 41% on three. He is one of our best three-point shooters we have in the NBA. I don't think that gets talked about a mu that much, but he shoots over 40%. He has an unblockable shot. It's almost like KD where he's 6'10", and he shoots at the peak of his arc. Uh, but Jokic is the best player in this series, but I think that the fact that Jamal Murray is missing um, will play a factor in some of these very close games. And I see a lot of these games being close and not many blowouts, but uh, it's anyone's game. We we all got it at, at, at seven. Um, I, I did want to point out, it was curious timing. Chris Paul declined the $44 million that he was going to get next year. He opted out. Uh, you, you're not going to get that in free agency, but that's a huge, huge number to pass up I mean, like when you're going towards the end of your career. What do you think about the timing mid-Lakers series, and what do you think that means for Phoenix going forward, Doc? So I think he's going to wait and see how Phoenix does this year. I, I think – you know, the Lakers championship window might be closing. And that's the thing about in, in basketball, the championship window can close very quick. And I think if the Clippers get eliminated in the first round, they're going to have some shuffling and the West is going to be wide open. And maybe Chris Paul is more than happy on restructuring a team friendly deal so that if Phoenix does show some upside, you say, look, I'll take half of that 44 million I was making and let's sign someone else and let's make a title run next year. Okay. What's your take on a? Passing up on 44 mil. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it, man, oh. you can pass up $44 million. Good for you. Like, oh, that is, damn. I, I mean, shit. Uh, I, wish I, could, <laughs> I wish I could pass up that money. I mean, hey, oh, it's weird, right? I, 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 I agree with what Eric's talked about, though. Like, I understand kind of the windows and where it's at. I, I just don't know, you know, can he get that deal somewhere else that he wants? Um, I would take $44 million and just deal with it and then go take like a one-year deal, like worth 10 to 15 and the next year and try to win a championship if he doesn't this year. Um, but I'm not him. He's probably got plenty of money lined up anywhere. I'm over here sweating about my dryer that broke. So, I mean, it is what it is. But <laughs> I, I think that's impressive. Um, good for him. Good for Paul. And you know what? The other thing about Paul is he's a business guy. Like, he, he took his money. Remember, they said, hey, do you want to – when he went to the Thunder, they are like, hey, maybe we'll buy you out for half. He said no. He said no. Like, no. I am And that's – hey, you know what? You can't hate on that. I give him props, and he and he, and he he played well, and he got that Thunder team where they were. So, get, I give him credit. He said, hey, you ain't taking my money, and that's what I think a lot of players should do. Yeah, he leaves the OKC, and they go from uh, – playoff team. I think they were the four or five seed last year to off the map worst team in the NBA with the same roster construction. Yeah. Uh it's uh it's interesting. I think it's very interesting timing that it's at, it's named in that first round when you're playing against Los Angeles. Now Chris Paul and LeBron James have always wanted to play with each other and maybe this is where the business savvy Chris yeah. Paul comes in play. Maybe you win a championship. Maybe there's a little under the table Banana bro, cash getting thrown around. Maybe they they bring in Carmelo, who's also a free agent. Oh, this God. is my this is my conspiracy because that's what I want to see. 
But uh, I, I, it, I just think it's, it is crazy, and we'll see what happens with Phoenix. They win a championship. Clearly, that I mean, you would see him try to sign maybe a, a smaller um, contract. But he is not the point guard of the future. He's probably got a couple years left in him, and um, he'll have his choice to go anywhere he wants. Uh, but what he's done with that Phoenix team is just remarkable, and we're all rooting for a, a little Chris Paul, no matter how much of a – uh, how irritating he gets on the court for his opponents. We're, we're rooting for Mr. CP3, the coach on the floor. Um, but we 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 forgot kind of the gloss over this uh, game seven and the implications it would take for the Utah Jazz. So we're going to kind of give a who you got pick on game seven and as well as double down on who do we pick in that matchup of the one-seeded Utah Jazz versus whoever comes out of this Mavs Clippers series. And we're going to start with Kev. Yeah, I'm going to go to Clippers just because of Kawhi. Uh, I th- and I think they have a better surrounding cast. Now, if Pandemic P comes back, I mean, hey, yeah. is, we'll see. Okay, we'll see if, if he's been able to do that. But I think the real disappointment is Porzingis. I think we can agree on that. I mean, I don't know where he's gone. Uh, he he has not looked good in this series. He looked awful yesterday, or the last game. Luca was way too in that last game six. The last, like, five minutes, he was way too passive. When you watched him play – He's got to go take that thing, and you got to realize, hey, this is what it is. That's what Kawhi did. That's what superstars do, and I think I think Luca's going to learn that as you go. Like, hey, I give me the ball, we'll just figure this out. Uh, but I, I got to go. I got to go the Clippers as much as it pains me. Uh, I think Kawhi is just that damn good. Uh, but I will say, I mean, if 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 Porzingis can do anything today in this game and and do something, I think they could win. And who do you got if uh, the Clippers advance against uh, a Utah matchup? I, I think I'm going to go Clippers. Uh, I've always, I've hate, I, I don't want to say I've hated because I don't want anybody to get drunk today. But, uh, you know, when I say I, Utah is still a fraud to me, like they, they're still frauds to me. I, Clippers, I, I feel like are, are way more talented in that area. There's a reason why the Clippers lost on purpose uh, to stay away from the Lakers and the Lakers lost anyway. But I think that's, I think that's what it is. E? So I'm going Clippers in game seven because I think what they're going to do is just, they're going to pressure Luca full court every time he touches the ball. You know, they maybe maybe they'll have Kawhi guard him. Maybe they'll have Pandemic P. Maybe they'll have Morris guard him. I, I can see them throwing a lot of different matchups and saying, "Hey, we'll look, we'll let Porzingis, we'll let Tim Hardaway, we'll let Jalen Brunson beat us." If yeah. the Clippers win, they did I that. See- in, they did that in Game Six too. At the end, at the end of the game, they tripled uh, Luca. Well, Porzingis missed a lob that was wide open. He threw it to yeah. Tim Hardaway for a nice open shot. He made the right play, but they didn't make it. So I, I think if the Clippers win, I do think that they beat the Jazz. But I think if the Mavericks win, I think the Jazz win in five. So if Mavs win, you got Utah. But if the yeah. Clippers win, you got the Clippers. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And I. So this is hard because I'm I'm huge on Luca and I want them to win. Uh, but just watching how the last game turned out, I think that it comes down to the wire and. Kawhi puts a chokehold on on the end of the game and and wins and it'll be the first win on the home court that we've seen. Uh, but th- this is one of those games where I'm super rooting for the Mavericks. Um, and in in the next matchup, I could see going anyway with with Utah. I wouldn't put anything past them to to advance. I think that they really do have a, a logistical chance, even against the Clippers. I think Rudy, Rudy Gobert poses a matchup issue um they're having problems guarding Boban in this Mavs series so they're small they play Marcus Morris at the five and 
Um, we know what Rudy Gobert can do defensively. And uh, hey, guess what? Donovan Mitchell is really freaking good. They are undefeated in the playoffs with him playing um, and cakewalking. But <clears throat> so um, who would I take? <laughs> I don't freaking know. Flip a coin, heads or tails. I don't really have a good take on this one. Uh, but we'll move on to our last playoff matchup that we haven't discussed, and that is the number one Philadelphia 76ers versus your Atlanta Hawks. We're all stands of uh, Trey Young, and we love the spectacle that brings his way. We're going to start with Doc on this matchup. It's tough because we don't know Embiid's health, yeah. but I'm still going to go the 76ers and six. I think they're a really good defensive team. You know, we we talk about Ben Simmons being an underrated defender. I think Trey Young is the enigma for the Hawks offense, and if you can slow him down, John Collins is probably the only other guy that can create his own shot, but I think the others, Kevin Herter, Clint Capella, those are all dependent on getting the ball open and shooting threes. So I think they have the blueprint of how to beat them. The 76ers were the best home team during the regular season, I think, to the Utah Jazz. Um, so I'm going 76ers and six. Kev. Yeah, like you said, it's just up to Embiid, right? Uh, it's just kind of one of those things. If I don't know. I, 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 this, the, the Hawks are sneaky. They're going to get a win a couple games. I think it's going to be six, like you talked about. Uh, and, you know, the one thing that worried me in that first first series, even against the Wizards, is their defense didn't look as good as they had been in the past. And when you watch them play, they were giving up a lot of open buckets. You know, Simmons is never going to be a free throw shooter. I, I understand that. But the one thing I will say, which I was going to get to, I'm glad Coach brought that picture up, is that the, if there's one guy that can stop Trey Young, it's going to be Ben Simmons. Uh, ben Simmons is length, his his defensive presence, what he can do out there. So that is an interesting, fun matchup to watch. But Ben Simmons is going to switch on Trey a lot. So I, I expect him to use that to his advantage there. So I, I think that with that being said, I'm going to go with the Sixers just because of Simmons' ability to guard Trey. And I'm going Hawks. Um, I think Ben Simmons, it, it, yeah, I know. Spicy. Spicy. And um, without injuries, I don't see Atlanta in this position to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they lose. Um, but, it, yes, I think Ben Simmons will give Trey Young some fits. But I think they're going to somehow find him free with certain screens. Um, that'll edge them out. So I, gotta, I actually got the Hawks in six games, and they, they'll finish on home court. Uh, I don't think Joel Embiid is coming back. Like you, it, it, a partial tear of a meniscus. I like that's that's your knee, and he's dealt with that. He is another reaggravation of that injury that he had earlier this year, and he missed some time. Um, one thing I don't I don't play around with big guys and, and knee injuries. Uh, too, you don't come back from a meniscus in a week unless you're you know super. I I don't even has it ever unless been you're done? a super fantasy know. bro. Yeah, I just don't see with Joel with all that. Dude, he's 300 pounds and seven foot. So I'm going against the Sixers, and it's so super disappointing now we see Joel and B go down. We saw AD and LeBron playing half what they, they normally are. We see James Harden going down. We saw Jalen Brown going down. In an injury-riddled season that really has affected certain teams' trajectory and chances to win this championship. So we're going to talk about some of these highlighted teams to some of these disappointments and we'll start with the big one and that is the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round they're up 2-1 in the series against the two-seeded Phoenix Suns and then they uh they proceed to lose the next three games while AD kind of goes down they were kind of winning game four when AD was on the court but it really affected 
what they were trying to do, especially with LeBron James playing, he uh, can't do any spin moves. He's clearly a, a nagging with the the ankle injury. Yeah, he could go up and down, but it's that side to side, those lateral um, angles that he just really didn't have it, and really was. I guess the I I think the lowest scoring points per game in any series that he's ever had. So, uh, Doc, your opinions on the Lakers that hit some injury woes? You're on mute. It was going to be a bad take anyways, right, Kev? Yeah, we was glad we got that one out of the way. All right, let's try again, Eric. Yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting. The two teams that went to the finals last season, the Lakers, both, I mean, they they got embarrassed. And it was a 71-day a uh, layoff from the end of the finals to the beginning of the regular season, which is the shortest amount of time ever. And I think it really took its toll because – in the 72-game season, everything has a little bit more significance. LeBron James is 36 years old, and as much as he's defied father time, father time is undefeated, unless you're Tom Brady. And Anthony Davis, he's a very injury-prone player. He's always been banged up, and what happens is when you commit you know, 60% of your salary cap to those two players who are both a little bit on the older side, and they can't play every day or those back-to-backs, and then you expect them to be fully healthy for the playoffs against a young team like the Suns. I think they're the second youngest team in the NBA to the Grizzlies. You know, you just kind of saw that they ran out of gas and it was a lot on the offense. You know, they weren't able to really create their own shot, get back on defense, play good transition ball. It's I, it, it's now easy to kind of be in hindsight and say, Oh, I expected to see this. But I think when we first were going into the playoffs, we didn't think about this, but now it kind of makes more sense. And to piggyback on the other two teams that were in the final four, Denver's the only one still going, but they lost Jamal Murray. Boston, they lost Jalen Brown. Kimba hasn't been healthy all season. So the, the teams in the final four of last year's uh, bubble championships, they all were disappointing outside of Denver, which has a uh, an alien in um, Nikola Jokic that doesn't get hurt and um, just seems to have everything – figured out uh for for me i think that it was just it was unlucky circumstances and we saw Den- dennis schroeder go, go through covid protocols at the end of the season he clearly was not um what he was doing before um he he went on on that list he's a free agent he passed down 80 million dollar extension they have to address this point guard position going for the future and i mean i already sprinkled in, in chris paul but there are the derrick rose there are a lot of uh, free agents that you could kind of plug in and could fit in with this team uh but it's it's all on health i mean the lakers win that series if they got ad and lebron fresh and i, I think it actually did catch up to them cuz it you know 20 games into the season they were by far the best team and if the playoffs started then they would ran ran away with it kev yeah, you know, I, I think the injury thing, street clothes Davis is what Eric was mentioning earlier. Uh, <laughs> he, he had his stuff from Barkley. I think, you know, I just think it really comes down to they bet on the wrong guy on Kyle Kuzma a couple years ago when they wouldn't oh trade. Oh, my gosh, yes. When they wouldn't trade Kuzma and they said he was going to be the next guy. I mean, look at, I mean, look what he did in the playoffs. He had zero points, two points, eight points, 11, 15, and then two points in game six. They needed him to step up and he just didn't. He, I don't even know if Kuzma, is he a rotation guy right now? He's only 25. I mean, like, he plays. What does he play a factor? Uh, they, they pass up on, on Cal Lowry at the end of the day. All they had to do was give up Thalen, uh, Horton Tucker, and Kuz, and they would have. They would have had Kyle Lowry into the mix. I mean, 
with the injuries, yeah. it probably wouldn't have worked out anyways. But this this is a win now team. Their window is two years, and I don't know if they're looking back and saying, "Man, we should have made that trade." Well, yeah, they could have done that. And then you also looked at like Andre Drummond, and he didn't do anything. He didn't fit. He didn't He's fit. Montrez Harrell really didn't fit with that team. Schroeder didn't really fit. I think every move that they made was the wrong move. So when you're looking at it, like every, from every perspective, guys that you needed to step up. And in KCP, man, God, get him off that roster. Like I just he got hurt. Know. He got hurt. He yeah, was, he's still... he was so good last year in the bubble, though. Oh, he's so good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we don't have a high. He bar was their third team. best player in the bubble last year. I mean. Like, yes, he's overpaid. I agree that there's things that you wish were better. But sometimes upgrades at all these positions, you think that you had an upgrade everywhere across the board and with Danny Green and Dwight Howard. And, no, it it fell on their face. These were not upgrades. Montrez Harrell did not play, though. Why doesn't he get on the court? Seems like he matches up well with with Aiden. He could play, like, a a couple minutes a game. And Dennis Schroeder dropping zero. Uh, and the game before the elimination game is is frightening to see. So sometimes that like when you change the do to upgrade, it doesn't really work out for your chemistry. And you had something good, and maybe running it back might have been the better choice of yeah. it. But, but yeah, we'll see what happens with the Lakers going forward. Obviously, we're not done talking about them, but uh, let's talk a little bit about New York Knicks. And hopefully, you don't walk out on your team before the game is over, like we saw Spike Lee and. Uh, Reggie Miller roasted him. So what are, what's your take on uh, the New York Knicks in the playoffs for the first time in a long time? Uh, Doc? Well, I think it's good they got back there, and I think they have a foundation. You know, they, their their strategy this year was to play really good defense. They had the, the lowest amount of defensive points allowed per game this year. I think they need more scoring, and I, I think we kind of saw that Julius Randle had a really good regular season, but if he's inconsistent in the playoffs, I mean, who are you going to go to? They didn't really have that second option. And they have a lot of young pieces. They have Obi Toppin. They have Emmanuel Quickly. I think Derrick Rose was a great story. You know, they have Mitchell Robinson. They have they have Nerlens Noel. They have some cap space as well. So what I think they need to do is they need to make a package deal, maybe for a Damian Lillard, maybe for a Bradley Beal. But I think they're on the cusp of something, and they can have that defensive philosophy while adding another offensive player. And it is something to, to look at, but I don't see Portland giving them up. That would be perfect. And R.J. Barrett is a young star that, like, you could package in a deal that makes yeah. sense if I'm Portland, if I'm trying to reboot and start over. But I don't I don't know if Portland is ever going to give that kid up. Uh, Kev, what's your take on um, the New York Knicks? The Knickerbockers are back. Yeah, I mean, hey, they they did fine. I think uh, they kind of came back to earth a little bit. The defensive thing was kind of the most confusing. They, they, you know, per cap, I mean, I think per rating, they had top three defense through throughout the regular season. And then you get into the playoffs, they just looked out of sorts. And I don't know, Randall kind of came back. Um, and R.J. Barrett, you know, he was solid, but that was, you know, it was a little tougher there. So yeah, one thing he showed I, inexperience. He did. He did yeah. not play well. And he's got to learn, you know. But one thing I yeah. did see is that you know the Knicks have the nineteenth and twentieth. 21st pick and they, and they were talking about maybe moving up uh and i don't know if that gets them into the top 10 i think we uh, we overvalue those picks but what if they were able to move up a little bit and get get like james Booknight from uconn get a score get somebody in there can get buckets um i like i like Booknight. uh we we've talked about him on this if you if you missed it or hey what about cam thomas like what if cam thomas kind of slips up there a little bit from lsu <laughs> I think they need some veteran players, though. I don't think they need more young talent. I think they need some older players. 
Well, that's fine. They can bring in older guys. They still need to score a young scorer off the bench, right? I mean, are you going to get older players of those two picks, 19 and 21? I mean, I think they could make a deal for Bradley Beal if he if he wants out. Like, you could give up R.J. Barrett. You could give up Emmanuel Quickly and a couple picks. And then you have a core of, you know, Beal, Randall, Obi Toppin. Uh, if you decide to keep Derrick Rose, you have two centers, Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, that can anchor. You don't have to worry about getting production from them. I just I think, don't. I don't think they have the the pieces to get Beal or or Lillard. I think that more logistically, that McCollum might be an option for them yeah. for them to get. And we've seen that story in in Portland. It's not, it's just not worked out. And CJ can get you buckets. Uh, Derrick Rose was the alpha though. That Derrick Rose was the best player on that team. And Julius Randle showed that he is not a top fifteen player, even though he is probably going to be All NBA this year. He just he floundered when it when it really mattered. Those shots that he was making all season, he was missing all of them. And uh, the New York faithful let him have it, and it it, it just didn't go well. But uh, there's a lot uh, um, on their future with Derrick Rose being a free agent. That point guard position needs to be addressed. And I see Derrick Rose moving on to a different place, uh, even though it was a perfect fit. They gotta they gotta look towards the future, but they do have a good young core, and we'll see what happens. Um, they definitely need scoring off the bench, though, Kev. I, I agree with that move, and quickly wasn't consistent enough to provide you that. But the the, the scoring was um, outside of Derrick Rose. They really were just looking around, like who can give us anything? Because they got a bunch of role guys that know their role. They can shoot the three if they, if you can get them open. But they need they need they need an addition. But they you know they look promising. Speaking of promising, maybe one of the most promising young teams, and that's uh, the Grizzlies. John ja Morant is is a superstar and uh he just he just did everything he needed to do in the playing games as well as you know in that game one and even in these losses he dropped a 45 um but you, you want to see what happens with the young group with morant triple j valentunas dylan brooks desmond bain grayson allen uh what do we think about the grizzlies kev yeah, I think ugh, they need more talent, though. Like, they got to get some another guy in there, like we've been talking about. I don't think that roster is is as good as it needs to be. Uh, but I, I am interested here. I want to hear what, you know, Doc's opinion here is of this. Would you – I because I saw it. Would you rather have Jaw or Jason Tatum? Jason Tatum. Oh, wait, are, are we factoring contract or just talent? Just talent on a team. Because I did see this recently where they said – I forget who said it. They said they'd rather have Jaw than Jason Tatum. I'm just wondering where Jaw fits in this pet, this this you know pedigree of guys. I, I think Jaw is good. I think it's really hard to win with a guard being your best player. I think you have to have a forward because they can defend multiple positions. They can rebound. I mean, there's so many good guards. I think there's less elite forwards. And what we saw Jason Tatum do this year in the playoffs, but I think they're right. You know, Memphis is in a good rebuild. They were in that grit and grind air for the longest time, holding on to Conley and Marcus Saul, like really trying to make it work. And now they're kind of in a more younger, you know, transition phase. I, I think they need another superstar to help. But I mean, if you're a Grizzlies fan, I think, you know, they, they, they're over under seasons for the win was 31. They hit 34. So better than Vegas expected to. They knocked the Warriors out of the bubble or out of the play in tournament. So I think you got to be happy with what they're going because I think rebuilds are typically a lot longer than this. Yeah. Yeah. For him to go heads up with Steph Curry and come out victorious shows a lot about this young superstar. And I think we all are consistent here. We'll take Jason Tatum over him. But it, when we talked about top, you know, 25 players under 25, 
he wasn't in our top five or or top ten for some of us. And yeah. he, it, I mean, clearly based on his performance, he showed the likings of a top five player under twenty five. Um, but they got to they got to strike gold. They got to get lucky somehow and get that wing superstar, Eric, that you're mentioning. Um, they just don't come in free agency to places like Memphis or Utah, and you just got to win in the draft. Um, so they got to pull something off. But I, I will say this team looks like a future playoff team for, you know, the forecoming future. And they do. And he's just, man, the, the ability to step up when it matters like him and how we just saw with Trey Young separates the really good players from, like, the superstars. It just His shooting doesn't get me all, like, when I watch him shoot, it, there's just something about it. It just seems streaky at times. Yeah. Like, I would like to see him improve his three-point shot yes. and jump shot. It kind of reminds me of yeah. Westbrook early in his career where he's just, like, an insane freak of nature yeah. that can uh-huh. jump and dunk, but the fundamentals aren't exactly there yet. The shot, yeah. the shot takes a little, a little while, and the percentage isn't really what you want. But it, it did improve as the season went on, so you can kind of see some promise. And he's super hardworking, works harder than a lot of them. So I, I just see him as a winning player, and I see him figuring out that three point percentage a little bit better as time goes on. So from one team that it looks like they'll be in the playoffs in the future for a while to another team that's kind of in limbo. They just fired their head coach after nine years. Uh, Damian Lillard is a top five player in the NBA. It seems like he needs some help. Uh, where the where the Portland players at? Is their championship window closed, uh, Doc? I don't even think they ever had a championship window. Like yeah, they, you're right. Like they right. they were they they were they were like a consensus like anywhere from four to six in the West each year, kind of like the West coast wizards where you have really good guards. You play good in the regular season. And maybe the, the peak of your season is the Western conference finals at best. I mean, they got swept that year that they played the warriors. So I never really think it was open, but I do think that Portland is tired of being in this purgatory where, you know, you don't really have a championship window, but you're not in rebuild. And that was a good call out because I, I kind of worded that question as like how they handled things. They sent two first round picks for Covington. They kind of went all in on that. And uh, you you had all of your core there to play outside of Zach Collins. So you, you thought like maybe this is your opportunity. And I mean, you, you were the sixth seed. You fought your way in. And yeah, Dame is amazing. But I think that's where they were kind of thinking maybe we can do it with Covington as a missing pace. But it looks like he, that was a terrible trade. Uh, Covington's gives you like less than 10 points per game and plays basically the whole game. So I know he does, he offers a lot on defense, but I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't stop Kevin Porter Jr. Last series. Kev thoughts on the Blazers. Yeah. I was going to say the only time that they had a window was 2018, 2019 when they lost to the, uh, golden state when they got swept, but nobody was beating golden state. So like, I don't, when you say you have a window, um, but that year, I mean, they finished third in the the Western Conference. You know, they beat the Nuggets, they beat the Thunder in the playoffs, um, and and they were balling. I mean, when you looked at their top guys, Lillard, McCollum, Nurkic, if he would stay healthy and he was been around more, maybe they'd have more of a shot. And when they had Canter there, my guy Rodney Hood, who was criminally underrated back then, because uh, I thought he was a great sixth guy coming off the bench and bench guy rotation guy. Uh, so and you, they had Seth Curry on that team too. I mean, so they had shooting, they had the guys around them that you like to see. I think that was the last time they hear. I want Lillard 
to get out of there. CJ and those guys, they need they I really feel like they gotta break that team up. I, I really feel like it's time to kind of move on when you kind of hit that limit. We've always seen these plateaus, right? It's time to kind of go. Um, but I like the Lillard to the Knicks thing. That would be really fun for basketball. Uh, I think that would be an excellent, excellent thing. I'm really cool. I'm really pissed I didn't think about that, Doc did. But I really think that would be a great, a great spot for him. Let him know, Doc. All right, our mentally deflated Miami Heat, they took a toll. We, we talked about them in the bubble and the fact that they kind of overachieved and they, 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 made, they made it six and a healthy L.A. Laker team and Jimmy Butler was going bananas, dropping 40-point triple-doubles in the finals. And he was a no-show this, this year in the playoffs, which is a super shocker uh, for him. Doc, what's your take on the Heat? I mean, I think Pat Riley said it best. They're mentally deflated. I think yeah. they're they're one of the most well-run organizations, but once again, they're humans. And I don't think any of us can relate to going through a bubble, having a 71-day layover between the final day of the regular season and the beginning of that. So figure you gotta your you gotta get your body right in training. You know, they probably took, you know, tests pretty frequently yeah. uh, to make sure that, you know, COVID didn't spread in the NBA. So, yeah, I mean, we're not even talking about the physical toll it takes on your body. I, I mean, for Pat Riley, who is one of the most sharp and uh, I'm not, I don't want to say forward thinking, but very ingrained basketball minds to say, hey, guys, take a break. Don't do anything. You yeah. have to know that it was very much grinding on them. Yeah. It's probably they, not fun anymore. It's probably like, oh, we have to play another game. Ugh. Yeah, like they got just, wrecked. They got wrecked by COVID. Almost them and the Wizards. Like they got, and and the Mavericks. I really got crushed at the beginning of the season with COVID, and it's they were really always trying to climb their way up and never really got into their full groove as a team. But they are a uh, they are a super destination here, and there are some free agents that look intriguing, and they they could kind of move some of these pieces to maybe bring in a third superstar that would bring. Um, the Miami, a big three back and put them in title condition. Kev, what's your take on the Miami Heat now and going forward? You know, I think Eric said it good there. I mean, that's the reason why they lost. Uh, but, I, you know, what about C.J. McCollum? We just talked about Portland. Uh, and I know, like, Dane would be the guy, Beal is the guy. But, like, imagine bringing C.J. in there. I mean, he could still score. and you Yeah, have being a, the third guy is a lot different from being the second guy. Yeah, so you have C.J. Bam, Jimmy. You fill those other guys, those pieces around. I don't know what's going on with Old Depot. I don't know if he's still out there or not. I know they're going to have to resign him if they want to. Uh, so if you get those guys there, but imagine getting C.J. CJ in there. You get someone who helps the scoring with Jimmy. Uh, Bam's still there, defensive presence. I think that's a pretty formidable duel. Well, and Ty, they said Tyler Hero was untouchable in the in the James Harden trade. Oh, that was awful. But now, like maybe <laughs> maybe you maybe throw out Tyler, young Tyler, for uh, uh, a CJ McCollum, and maybe that um, is enticing for both teams. All right, the Boston Celtics, they got a lot of questions to answer. We touched on them as far as head coach, general manager, and that situation. Um, again, we talked about them being one of the final four teams, and health kind of caught up with them. Jalen Brown did not make it after he was having a career season. Eric, what's your take on the Boston Celtics? I mean, just kind of quick. You know, they're in a transition period. Uh, you know, they're assigned Tatum and Brown to max, ex max extensions, and I think they're looking to build around both of them. Nobody's going to take Kemba Walker's contract, especially with his health. And they don't have any draft picks. They're kind of, you know, they don't have the the Brooklyn Nets four first rounders that they fleeced them. They're going to have any picks they have are going to be towards the later, you know, end of the first round. So 
Would you trade Jalen Brown for Dame? Yeah, easily. Kev? That, I don't know. I guess if you think Dame will put you over the top. But In the East, Ed. I would do it. I mean, the East is tough, guys. You're talking about the Sixers, the Nets, those and the, those groups there. I mean, that that's got to be that's gonna be the and the Bucks, I guess. Um, but you know, the, but you put two of the top ten players in the league on the same team. That's freaking dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to Eric's point, you know, Kimba's he has a net negative contract, two years, seventy three million. God, how did he get that deal? I wish I had his agent. And then he's got knee injury and oblique issues, like. <laughs> And he's getting older. Like, I, I don't see that being there. I think what makes the most sense for them is probably to move on from Marcus Smart. Uh, maybe he, really? might be, he might be their best asset to kind of get something. Uh, yeah, that's might, true. So if I'm, if I'm going to do anything, it might be to get rid of Marcus Smart because he's your best movable asset unless you're going to try to trade Brown those guys and, and then try to look for that. But I do know that Brad Stevens loves Marcus Smart. So I don't know if the, his first business as a GM now is to get rid of the guy that he says he likes to build his team around, do those things. But if anybody knows what this team kind of needs from the inside, it's it's Stevens. So if he's going to shake it up, he's going to make those moves. So that's kind of where my, my my opinion is there. And you make a good point that Marcus Smart is the greatest um, tradable asset that they have on that team. But I think you still run with that young core of Smart, Brown, and Tatum and somehow try to move on from, from Kimba. But let I mean, let's address the elephant in the room. They have front court issues. They've had front court issues this entire time that they've been successful the last five years. And they gotta address that. We got Brad Stevens saw that every single day. And I think that's what needs to be addressed in the sun um in the summertime. But man, smart Brown, Tim, they're all, you know, very, very young players and you know. Two of them are all stars in ascending. And so they, I mean, they still have a bright future and they still got some time to figure it out. Pippen and Jordan didn't figure it out year number one. So not, not saying they're Pippen and Jordan people do not come for me. I'm just saying they're young, they're young, good superstar players in this league. Um, Sometimes experience uh, serves well. Now let's talk. We are, you know, I saved the best for last. We got to talk about hometown wizards here in triple play fantasy. Um, they're in, uh, they're in limbo. Once again, Scotty Brooks decision, <laughs> not imminent. Uh, Catherine Evans hired as the first woman in NBA to lead run the analytics department. Kev, what's your thought about the wizards and this depressing nature that we have over here in Washington? I'm just glad you guys are finally on the analytics train. I feel like that's something that you should have been doing for the last 10, 15 years. And, you Hello. Know, and just, I'm happy that the wizards are finally getting there. I don't know. You guys are screwed. Uh, you, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do. Uh, that contract for us is pretty immovable. I know we said it all the time. That team is built weird. You're going to have to get rid of Beal. I hate to break it to you guys. Like it's like, if you're going to try to rebuild and do these things, you're going to keep getting the eighth or ninth seed and just what, like it's going to be there. We talked about a pre-show, you know, coach talking about the Warriors are definitely a good option there with that pick with the Tim Wiseman Wiggins in that, you know, top five, top 10 pick from the Warriors. No, if you get, you do that, Eric. No, because if you trade Beal, you don't take on a worse contract. I've been saying, I've been saying the wizards need to blow it up. Like, they don't have a championship contender. This is the highest Bradley Beal's trade value is ever going to be. People forget he had a stress condition in his leg like four or five years ago where he was supposed to be on a minutes restriction. If Bradley Beal gets hurt, his trade value is done and he has a bad contract. You trade him, you know, you, you have Westbrook for another couple of years. You start to tank. You get some bad picks. You have some young talent in Gafford. Thomas Bryant's on a fairly, fairly reasonable contract. Rui Achimura, get rid of Scott Brooks. 
I think Scott Brooks has been a very overrated coach considering the talent he's had Mm -hmm. and only being able to get to one finals. Like I understand if you were Tommy Shepard, you want to give it one more run as a GM and not step in for Ernie and blow it up right away, but you have to. Yeah. Um, I think, look, I would, I would take a hard look at that package. I mean, Wiseman does show promise. He was a second overall pick in the draft. And I know that he had an injury his first year, which you can't just give a, give up on some, like a big guy that has an injury in their first year. We saw Embiid. It took him a while, but he has got some tools. He's got some wingspan. He's got some intangibles that you would like. Uh, And then for that pick, is in the, in a in a draft like this, like you want young young players, and Wiggins isn't a stru- scrub. It's a, it's not a good contract, but he's a good fit for the Wizards in Westbrook, and maybe Westbrook can you know fire him up to the point where you know he was he had a good year this year with the Warriors with a guy like Draymond Green getting on his back. He was he was productive. He wasn't a, like I said, he wasn't a scrub. Um, and moving on from Bradley Beal, I would hate it as a fan, but it's at a certain point, you do have to start looking for the future. And if you can get an asset like this T Wolves pick, um, you could, you could land, you could, you could hit a star and that's what you would, you would try to hope for. And for the Warriors, I'd do it in a heartbeat. They put (laughs) with, with Beal Thompson, uh, Steph and Draymond, dude, that's a top four team in the NBA. And I would say yes in a heartbeat i just don't know what other packages that you can get for brad beal that are going to be more enticing as far as with you know young talent and 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 a pick like that all right um and who knows you could probably ask for two it's freaking brad beal um that is all we have for you today we are going to be glued for game seven and we can't wait to see what happens throughout the week uh to kind of touch on as far as how these playoffs is is going i know eric was telling me that this is the first time that uh dallas the lakers anybody that's won a championship and how long eric can you throw out that stat again yeah so if dallas loses the eight remaining teams are going to be the 76ers the Hawks, the nets the bucks in the east and the jazz you have the wet or in the west you have the jazz the suns the nuggets and the clippers none of those teams would have won a championship since the year 2000 So it's going to be interesting that a new fan base in the second round of the playoffs that we're already going to have a new champion. Good save, my friend. And since the year 2000, that is incredible. So it's it's probably even long. It's probably even longer because, you know, the Bulls, Rockets, um, Spurs dominated. We're probably going to go back to the 80s. And we would love that as the true, true, true NBA basketball fans. We actually like to see this a little change at the top. I know some people are upset. You know, LeBron James might not be there if if the the Nets fall in their face with uh, James Harden happening, which we don't see. Uh, It could be, you know, a a Utah versus the Bucks in the final or however you want to shape it up. And that's cool. That's cool for the the true, true basketball fan. And it's good to see another guy get it. Like we saw what that did for Dirk's legacy. We saw what it's done for Chauncey Billups and all those two guys in Detroit, what it did for their legacy, just to win one. And uh, we wouldn't be mad at that. Um, yeah. I'm a little upset that LeBron James is at home, but you know, enjoy the time off, rest a little bit, get back at it. You got like a two, three year window um, left. What? uh with that i don't know if you guys have any parting words stay safe at home um thanks for your listens each and every week hit that subscribe button on our youtube channel we're dropping things every day every other day 
it's crazy. The brand just keeps building. We're talking about food. We're talking about one-on-one fantasy matchups. It just, uh, we're ever growing and we appreciate you guys, the listeners each and every week.